All right. Let's do this, shall we? Oh, yeah. It is a Monday night, which means we're all gathered for you in a little thing we call the sports book here on 760 WJR. I am uh, Steve. Jamie here. I love Mondays. They're the greatest, aren't they? They're great. Especially with what's going on with a Honolulu Blue and Silver, huh? Yeah, I mean, the Lions love Mondays, too, because it's another Victory Monday. Yeah, the uh, coffee on Monday mornings has been uh, tasting extremely sweet these days. And uh, we'll have more on that in just a bit. Meanwhile, uh, as we begin, as always, special thanks to our very good friends at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Because, quite frankly, they're why we're here. They make Mondays happen. Yes. (laughs) And uh, what we witnessed at Ford Field yesterday, uh, simply unbelievable. Uh, First of all, the uh, announced attendance, 66,374, in a place that's got a capacity of 64,500. So the place was obviously rocking. And many were referring to it, uh, Jamie, as uh, probably the biggest Lions game in five-plus years. You have to agree on that. And now they got another one coming up, but... Let's not put the cart before the horse. Listen, uh, it takes a big man to admit when they're wrong. And 38 states and half of Canada, I'll admit it. Uh, when the Lions started off 1-6, and six, and maybe we alluded to it. In fact, I'm sure we did uh, here on the program. It, it, it did not look good. No, it did not. And I think I asked Michael Hara, I was like, what about Dan Campbell's future? <laughs> well, listen, you know, this is all part of the glory that is NFL football because, you know, what appears to be the story at any given time isn't necessarily the truth. This thing turned on a dime. They were one in six. Right. The and ship was sinking. Horrible football. Yeah. They were playing miserably. And so we were trying to determine to turn this thing around where the wins were going to come from. Because you had the pack coming up. You had uh, the Bears, you know, kind of a mysterious football team there. Then you had the Giants, who were, at the time, one of the toasts of the National Football League. So listen, to their credit, this team, and I think Dan Campbell has a lot to do with it, they didn't pack it in. And maybe that would have been the easy option when you're one and six. Right. I can't. I just can't believe it. I can't put it into words. I I don't know what happened. Firing Aubrey Pleasants didn't change everything. It couldn't have. Um, he was respected, from what I gather. Uh, some of the DBs came out publicly and said they're embarrassed because they got him fired. Um. So, and at the time, uh, he was considered the sacrificial lamb. That you know what? When things are going this bad, something's got to be done. But Dan Campbell came out and said he he hated doing it. Uh, that's just the way the coaching fraternity is. But if you've been a Lions fan for a while, and I have been one for a long while, what we're experiencing right now is biblical. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, at the very least, it's fun for Lions fans. It hasn't been fun in a really long time, but it's December. And these games matter. And they're beating teams that are good. I'm glad you're sitting down. Because Saturday night I was doing research at a pub. What? I was. 
And uh, I can't tell you. So I'm, I'm kind of, well, I'm a stockholder at this particular pub. But anyway, uh, normally people, for all the right reasons, the way things have been historically with this franchise, you know, completely down on what the Lions are about, what they're going to do. Um, people be just it just became indifferent. But it was different this Saturday night. People were actually looking forward to the Lions and Vikings. Engaged, interested, ready to tailgate, not selling their tickets. Buying in to mm-hmm. what we're seeing here. And what we saw, and this is where the plot thickens. Listen to me, folks. Jared Goff, I think, is the real deal. At least I'm convinced of that. He threw for 330 yards and three touchdowns. The Lions have now won five of six. It's their best stretch since their last postseason appearance, that in 2016. But quickly on Goff, because we just don't have the time to to, to break it all down. Uh, He has been the subject of a lot of conversation, partner, as to what his future with the Lions is going to be and what it should be. Is he a stopgap? Do you have confidence in him taking this football team to where everybody wants them to be, which is postseason greatness? Well, he's done it before with another team. Why not? And he's showing that he is capable. These are darts going downfield now. But I think when it comes to Lions Nation, perhaps, you know, because we've got this draft pick, which is going to be relatively high in the Stafford deal with those Rams, mm-hmm. three, four, five, somewhere around there. Would be better without Baker Mayfield, but yes. <sighs> yeah, we'll talk about what that idiot did. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of folks under the impression that you've got to use that pick to get C.J. Stroud. I don't think you do. Uh, and you name one of the availables coming out. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. There's not really one of them that does much for me. No. So I'm under the impression you stick with Jared Goff and you use that high draft pick, wherever it is, to get yourself some more defensive help. Yeah. Look at how the offense is humming along. They've scored at least 28 points in the one, two, three, four, last five games. 28 and better. Why do you need to draft a quarterback? Uh, Are you a believer in... An adage, which is as old as dirt, that defense wins championships. And listen, I say that. Complete kudos to Aaron Glenn. The defensive coordinator has done some pretty, pretty good things of late. Well, he's another one. Everyone wanted to fire him six weeks ago. It's the nature of the beast, I guess. But they had four sacks yesterday. Um, Forced two turnovers. Uh... One by T.J. Hawkinson, the former Lion, a spattering of booze in his return to Ford Field because of him taking a swipe at uh, the Lions after that trade. But, you know, the defense is, is flying around. Now, uh, Justin Jefferson, 11 receptions, 223 yards, didn't get to the end zone, however. Uh, but there are still some flaws, which goes back to my point. Use that Rams pick. To shore up the defense. I agree with you. 
and maybe the one later on, too. Why not? Right. I, I just don't think you waste it on a quarterback. There's no one guy out there that everyone is clamoring for anyway. You have a guy who's more than serviceable, who's done more than enough, I believe, to be the Lions quarterback. Well, there were some uh, moments of greatness. And listen, the way Dan Campbell goes about his business, the Lions are about as unpredictable as NFL teams get. Uh, what we have here is People's Exhibit A. Drive of the second half. It's a fake. And the Lions will pick up the first down and much more inside the 35-yard line. And finally, knocked out of bounds was C.J. Moore. Yeah, there was a nice little uh, run there, C.J., 42 yards. And that, my friends, would lead to this. Fake toss to Swift. Goff to the end zone. Touchdown, Reynolds. So the thing about this Lions team, unlike Lions teams from not that long ago, as a matter of fact, they are putting themselves in a position to win by making plays when they need them. Well, you know, Dan Campbell's always been aggressive on fourth down to a fault. People, again, faulted him for maybe being too aggressive. But when it works, all of a sudden he's a genius. Fake punt, sure. Toss to your offensive tackle to get a first down, sure. Well, to put the capper on this thing, he pulled out, being a former offensive lineman, one of the things that I will always remember, for as long as Dan Campbell's here and then afterwards, when you saw Penny Sewell in motion. Two minutes remaining. Goff throws. Wow. Penny Sewell. The right tackle makes the catch and picks up the Lions first down. Are you kidding me? (laughs) It was awesome. It's just insane. We talked to Taylor Decker, who's like right next door in his locker that after the game. And he was like, that should have been a touchdown. Panay did kind of stumble (laughs) in open field. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's a critic. Uh, That would lead to the uh, Michael Badgley field goal with just 17 seconds left. But this is what I'm talking about. Uh, with this team. There's absolutely nothing that is off the board, I don't think. And, you know, I think the national media, who, again, has fallen in love with this Lions team, you know, the uh, the group on Fox Sports, you know, Terry Bradshaw, uh, Michael St- uh, Strahan, uh, the Strahan couldn't be more emphatic about what he thinks about the Lions and where the defense has come. They said yesterday in the locker room that they don't believe there's a team they can't beat. So they have the confidence, and they're making plays. Well, Kirk Cousins, who didn't have a bad game at all, 425 yards, two touchdowns, a rating of 124.5. From Holland, Michigan, obviously, the former Spartan, uh, he went on and on about where this Lions team is right now. And winning gets the attention of a lot of folks, especially when you were 1-6 in and all of a sudden you've rattled off Five of six. It's unbelievable. Again, I think it's what great. did T.J. Hawkinson have to say after the game? I, I didn't hear much from uh, from him. Uh, Jamie was uh, just saying before we went on there, Nick. By the way, uh, the producer hi, Nick, Nick. Roddy on in. Um, you were going to go say hi to him, but after a loss, what do you say to the guy? Yeah, we were passing the locker room after we were leaving the Lions locker room, and I said to my camera guy, "Should we go in?" But what were what will we say? Do you regret moving? I mean. 
There's nothing really to say. No, and you know what, until the fumble, uh, relatively productive. I mean, look, he is going to be successful in Minnesota. I have absolutely yeah, no doubts about that. Player. He is. Six receptions yesterday, 77 yards. Um, do we have? Yes, we do have this. Because this kind of set the tone for the rest of the day. Ladies and gentlemen, it was history in the making. Second down and five. Off the fake to Jamal Williams. Goff going deep. Wide open. Touchdown on his first NFL reception. The rookie out of Alabama, Jamison Williams. Yeah. That got her going. And uh, obviously with the uh, huge crowd uh, at the Lions Den, uh, it almost came tumbling down. But um, he could play this game at this level for the next 50 years and never be as open as <laughs> he know. was. Obviously, there was a missed uh, look there from someone. But, I mean, good for him. We asked him also post-game, you know, did you think that would be your first catch? And he goes, I always think I'm going to the crib. So, well, you know like what? Like I said, confidence. It's, uh, I'll tell you what, as he was doing his touchdown celebration up and down the Lions sideline, I'm thinking, okay, watch the knee. Just watch the knee. And uh, everything worked out. So now you have the Detroit Lions at six and seven. Very, very much in the uh, playoff picture. Uh, on the program uh, last week, we mentioned that the Lions realistically would have to jump two of the following three, the Giants, the Seahawks, or the Commanders. Uh, they got some help. Uh, the Eagles completely destroyed the Giants, 48-22. Uh, the G-Men now 7-5-1. and one. Then Carolina, Sam Darnold, goes into Seattle, and they beat the Seahawks 30-24. to 24. Uh, The Seahawks now 7-6. and six. The Commanders had a bye. But remember, the Lions own the tiebreaker uh, against the Giants because of the head-to-head win earlier. Right. But those two teams tying is a problem. Yes. Now you're going to bring math into it. <laughs> well, okay, so the, some experts out there are saying the Lions' chance to make the playoffs is like 20%, depending on who you ask, 20, 22, 16, whatever. That's not great. No. But why not win out? Maybe those other teams falter. It's fun to just be in the conversation. I like their chances if they win out. Now, we'll see. Um as excited as I am uh, about this team, you know, it's a step-by-step process. Because up next, uh, you go to East Rutherford uh, to take on the 7-6 and six Jets. Uh, Robert Sala, uh, the pride of Dearborn, has done some pretty good things with that club. I know. That's not a gimme. So that's what they were saying today in AP, that, you know, it's Victory Monday. We're excited, but we still have work to do, and it starts at the Jets. Uh, the Jets went into uh, Buffalo and lost 20-12. to 12. As a matter of fact, do you see any of the highlights of that? The Bills' defense absolutely brutalized Mike White, the Jets' quarterback. He had to be taken to the hospital uh, afterwards to check his ribs and to make sure there was no internal injuries. So hopefully it's all right with him. But uh, a couple of hits were like, ooh. Yeah. Oh, well, dear. They're not 100% healthy. And you hate to look ahead, but Panthers, hmm, struggling. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Uh, you know, it, it, all things are possible right now. Yeah. Uh, and the way Vegas is looking at it, uh, Lions-Jets a pick them as it stands right now. So, 
Uh, we need to take a break. When we return, we'll continue to go around the National Football League. Some interesting things going on as we continue with the sports book here on 760 WJR. Uh, before we go any further, I want to bring you up to date on uh, something that my buddies at uh, Snethcamp Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram uh, are doing. Uh, Tis the season, folks. You know that. And uh, I've known Mark Snethcamp and uh, uh, Derek Hewlett uh, there at the dealership for a long time. And uh, hopefully you can participate in this. Uh, since 2019, they have been providing over 600,000 meals to families in need. Uh, they have a nice matching grant from the Kroger Company of Michigan for collection of both money and food through their Zero Hunger, Zero Waste program. Uh, they are accepting non-perishable food at their two Metro Detroit locations, Plymouth and Telegraph in Redford and 6 in Woodward. Or you can also visit thedealerthatcares.com. That's thedealerthatcares.com and make a tax-deductible monetary donation to Gleaners directly. Hopefully you uh, participate in that. All right. Now, uh, other NFL news and notes. Uh, As we were discussing earlier, Baker Mayfield, what's going on? Uh, He gets to Los Angeles last Tuesday. So by the time Thursday rolls around, you're thinking, how much of a grasp of the offense can this guy possibly have? Clearly doesn't know the entire playbook. Uh, They had to hand signal in, from what I understand, most of it. I mean, whatever. He throws for 230 yards, and he throws a winning touchdown late to burn the Las Vegas Raiders. That is so embarrassing. I'm reading that Baker Mayfield had a single practice with his team. And And the Raiders were leading. And he uh, uh, accomplishes the type of greatness that he never did in Cleveland. (laughs) I know. Let alone Carolina in his first game as a Ram. That was crazy. And it was costly. Obviously, to uh, the Honolulu Blue and Silver, the Rams improve, if you will, to uh, four and nine. Uh, Watched with interest yesterday uh, in San Francisco. You kind of had a funny feeling, didn't you? That this could be a very long day for Tom Brady. And it was. Uh, The 49ers all over the visiting box, 35 to seven. Brady, 253 yards. One touchdown, two interceptions, a rating of 63.7. Meanwhile, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, the last guy taken in the 2022 draft. He throws for 185 yards and two touchdowns, a rating of 134. Pretty damn good story there. I think it's a great story. But can we retire the Mr. Irrelevant name? I think it's rude. (laughs) It is kind of cold-blooded. Yes. Uh, But... You know, if you are going to be Mr. Irrelevant... You might as well come back and beat Tom Brady. Well, and look, I saw the post-game interview with uh, Mr. Purdy. And very, very poised. uh, Very humble. uh, And now look in the position he's in. Because although they're saying Garoppolo's injury was not as serious as it was originally thought, if you're a 49er fan, are you not all in on everything that is Brock Purdy? Well, especially since they seem to just, you know, not treat Garoppolo with <laughs> the nicest of ways. I mean, couldn't they, win, even if he played well. And right, the that's what I'm saying. Like, even when he wins, they're like, "Get him out of here." So uh, yeah, I'm sure they love Brock Purdy. Listen, and and Tom Brady. Again, we don't have the time to get into is he the greatest of all time? I will say this: 
he's got to be right up there, okay? Yeah. I hate to be Mr. Obvious, but Father Time waits for no one. And there were times during that tilt yesterday, Tom Brady looked old. I think time is catching up with him. Some of his passes are just short. Like he's not even getting the ball to to where he's trying to send it. Listen, you take away all of his family issues. They've been numerous. That's his business. Um, But all this conversation about, well, the jury's still out as to whether or not he's going to play next year. Really? I think... I don't know. I think it's time to call it a, a career, an excellent career. Did Some, you hear that he requested 100 tickets for Sunday's game for all his family and friends and everything, and then Brock Purdy beats him? Well, you know what? He signed. They showed him signing something for a 49er player yesterday. Oh, the dude that picked him off. One of the balls signed by Tom Brady. <laughs> and he did. Well... So at this point, what does Tom Brady have to lose? Nothing. But all this know. conversation. I don't know. You should have retired on top. All this conversation about him maybe playing next year and finishing his career in New England. Mm-mm. I don't know, man. At 46? Uh, Belichick doesn't sign off on that. There's no way. I don't think so. Although He's probably still better than Mac Jones. Well, valid point. Uh, stick around, folks. We're going to take a look back at the Michigan State Spartan football season. Uh, my Spartan Media Network colleague, Jason Strayhorn, is going to spend some time with us as we continue with the sports book here on 760 WJR. All right, folks, we are just one year removed from a brilliant 11 win season for your Michigan State Spartans. That, of course, included uh, that thrilling win over Pitt in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Then, uh, not going to lie, this past season, not without its challenges. Let's take a look back, shall we? Happy to have with us a fine broadcast colleague. You know him. You love him. Jason Strayhorn joining us now. Jace, what's happening? Hey, what's happening, Steve? How are you guys doing today? Everything is sensational. Uh, You know, it got off to a nice start. Uh, Take care of Western Michigan. Take care of Akron. Uh, then all of a sudden, Jace, injuries um, come into play. Uh, lose linebacker Darius Snow. Xavier Henderson goes down. He would eventually return. Uh, but the injury bug did not stop as this season unfolded. Uh, Jacob Slade goes down. Uh, and then a player here, a player there. And uh, especially, Jace, on the defensive side of the ball, it got to be tough. Yeah. I mean, to say the least, it really got tough. I mean, it was a a, a war of attrition, if I ever seen one for Michigan State, uh, losing a lot of play, a lot of starters along that defensive front seven, especially, uh, was one one of the things that was most disheartening. You saw, as you named Slade and a lot of those guys, and uh, well, like there was backups. Guys are in the two and three deep, being forced to start. By the end of the season, you had, uh, you know, guys that were third team defensive tackles starting a defensive end, just not. Um, the recipe for success when you look at uh, how you draw a season up. Um, but they, they tried to hold together. They had an opportunity to come back and be, become bowl eligible after the losing four straight to Washington, Minnesota, Maryland, and Ohio State. You had the great 
victory of homecoming against Wisconsin, a team that was, was ranked at the time and uh, then was able to go on the road to beat a 16th ranked Illinois football team. Uh, that was a very, very big victory. Uh, that, that defense coordinator just won the uh, Art Browse Award, I believe. Right. So that you have you have a lot of a lot of success, a lot of bright spots, and you were there, right there at Senior Day at home, a tie ball game against Indiana for the sixth win of the season. You got a lineup for a 21-yard field goal, and you missed it. And so I think the complimentary football that Mel Tucker talks about a lot uh, did not happen. You know, the offense, defense, and special teams did not perform in concert at all uh, this year, and Michigan State is not bowling uh, once again and uh, looking to, to replace some players and come back a lot stronger and more organized next year. I wonder what you think about the quarterback position, Jason. Um, Peyton Thorne was excellent in that 11-win campaign. I mean, obviously there are a lot of variables here, but he only had 19 touchdowns this year. Do you think there's a competition there for next year? You know, I think that he has the experience on his side. I think that they are not going to just give him the keys to the Cadillac uh, anymore. I think it is an open competition, but he has the, the edge and that he has, he's been out there. They know he's been battle-tested. They know who he is. Um, but when when you talk about that 11 win season, he had the luxury of one Kenneth Walker the third. Uh, when you have a running game like that, it takes a lot of pressure off the quarterback and receivers. And what we saw out of Kenneth Walker, and you see him doing it now on Sundays, is he erased a lot of mistakes that were happening along that offensive line, and obviously put so much pressure on opposing defenses, uh, namely. Uh, the top-ranked defense of Michigan, who ended up beating Ohio State and making it to the college playoffs last year, uh, you, you know, you just just ask, uh, you know, all those players. I'm not going to single out any one specific player from Michigan, but it was tough. You know, Hutchinson is a guy who who was face to face with uh, Kenneth Walker, and and he he made a mockery of him. Uh, but that that particular type of player is not a guy that you can just hang your hat on and say, hey, we're going to find that guy in the portal year after year after year. You have to build it with structure. You're going to have to have some chemistry. And um, and and hopefully Peyton Thorne returns to the form that he was able to have a year ago with that running game. But, you know, I think the Michigan State needs to find some more talent uh, in that defensive back, in the offensive backfield in order to help take a little pressure off of whomever the quarterback will be next year. You know, as it turned out, uh, I would say, Jay, some of the span of the last three, maybe four ball games, it looked like the running game was starting, trying anyway, to find itself with Mr. Berger and Broussard. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, there's a question you uh, know all too much about, being the former center you are. Uh, do you think Coach Cap, offensive line coach, uh, at the end of the day, was happy with the co- uh, with the consistency of that offensive line group this year, Jace? I do. I think so. I mean, he, clearly it was an improvement from a year ago, although you didn't see it in the wins. But it went, with my eyes and people who watched that position closely, I mean, that, that team, uh, that, that unit was able to keep the sacks down. They were opening holes. The players were not getting touched uh, right away. Like there was less tackles for losses against that offensive line. Uh, they even had to play. Young players on that left tackle, uh, Brendan Baldwin, the guy who comes to mind, who played about started about four times as a as a freshman, Richard freshman, 
uh, a big player. Uh, they, they consistency was there, and they started seeing it as I talked about in the game against Wisconsin, that homecoming game, and you definitely saw them play very well on the road in Illinois and just need to be a little bit better, need to keep rising to the occasion. That's why I know they're out at the position of need right now. Uh, They're on the road looking for more offensive linemen to bring into the fold because you can't have enough of them, and and you need the highly talented guys in order to, to make everyone else and everything else on the football team go. The transfer portal is a crazy place. Oh. I read an article that there's some decommitments, kids leaving Michigan State, and then there's one four-star that is still considering Michigan State. Do you think this year is any different than any other? No, well, you know, it's, it's different in that, I mean, the NIL has completely changed the landscape of college football. I, mean, I, I talked to a couple of coaches over the weekend in different Power 5 schools, separate schools, not in the Big Ten, and they all concur that this NIL and the the early signing day being in December, December 21st, you've got the transfer portal opening up on December 5th. Uh, it, it just makes for roster management. and it, It's a crazy time to be a college coach right now. And I'm not just talking about the head coach, the guys who make the big bucks. I'm talking about all the guys, uh, all the way down to the analysts, the people who are, are watching the film, breaking things down, recruiting coordinators, it is. This is. These are 24, 25. There, there are long days right now in trying to uh, get out in front of things. And if you're not first, like Ricky Bobby said, you're last right. in, in this world. <laughs> you really are. If you think these these players uh, take offense to to you not calling them right away, and that's the higher talented guys and everyone else, you got to find out like why are they in the portal? You know, there's some people that are in the portal because they want to find greener pastures. There's other people that are forcing the portal. There's other people that are just doing it just to get a better price, so to speak, from their... It's just crazy. It's insanity is what it is. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Jay's here, we're we're talking about thousands of players that have just left in. Yeah, and it's going to get worse after signing day and once these bowl games end. So, because right now you got a lot of players that are on these teams that are playing in bowl games that are going to wait and see. They want to get more film out there, and then you're going to see more movement. Uh, Michigan State just had a, a kid just go into the portal a few hours ago, and Jeremy Bernard, right, a uh, kid that we thought was, you know, on, on the right track to to get a lot of playing time. Uh, his first catch ever as a college football player was for a touchdown. Very talented player, but hey, now he's trying to upgrade and. Um, you know, see if he can get more dollars somewhere else. So, I mean, this is what this is where this is the day we live in, and you gotta adapt and do the best that you can and really rally behind it. I mean, that's that's really that's really the only choice you have until some kind of regulation comes into play, and that's probably two to three years off, in my opinion. All right, Jason. The time we have left, um, obviously, uh, Spartan Nation. Uh, completely got into the 11 win season a year ago. Now this year, a little bit disappointing at five. Um, Nobody more so than head coach Mel Tucker, who uh, stood by his staff when the noise uh, was being turned up, Jace, during the four-game losing streak that we discussed earlier. Um, Just knowing Mel a little bit, uh, clearly not as well as you. I I think he's a very loyal guy, and... uh, 
you know, because I'm asked all the time, what changes are they going to make? What changes are they going to make? Uh, you know, as we look forward to the 2023 season, you know, I don't imagine there really being any. Do you? Well, hey, we have to wait until the signing day. You know, right. that's what I look at. Like, you know, I think that Mel absolutely is a very loyal guy, but he also is a results-driven coach. And he, he coached under guys like Nick Saban, who definitely is a guy who, who made changes when changes were needed. You know, he's definitely not a guy who would stand pat and just hold on to his coaches until the wheels continually fell off. He, he's going to take an introspective look at himself, self-scout, and then determine what he needs to do after this class is signed in, uh, on December 21st. All right, fair enough. Uh, let's get, to get, get together for a meeting sometime soon after the holidays, huh? All right, sounds good. If you know what I mean. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jace, appreciate it, my hey, friend. Good talking to you, Jamie. Hey, take care. Go, green. Go white. Uh, Jason Strayhorn, uh, Michigan State radio analyst and uh, colleague here on the Spartan Media Network and uh, always a nice guy to chat with. You know what time it is, don't you? Tool time. Time, <laughs> time to preview the Monday night football game. A decent one, I think. Can't wait to make my pick. Neither can Blake. Uh, we'll have that coming up as we continue with the sports book here on WJR. All right, before the Monday night preview, folks, quickly, uh, your Detroit Red Wings coming off the 3-2 overtime loss to the Stars in Dallas. That on Saturday night. The winged wheelers now have lost two in a row, five of their last seven. 32 points, good enough for fourth in the Atlantic Division. They will host Carolina 7 o'clock tomorrow night. What's Carolina up to? They've got 36 points second in the Metropolitan. The Pistons, the news has been bad, and as we find out today, it's gotten worse. The Pistons are 7-22. and 22. Last place in the Eastern Conference, worst record in the NBA. Coming off the 124-117 loss to LeBron and the Lakers last night at LCA. LeBron lightened it up for 35. Antonio Davis had 34. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich did what he was supposed to do. He had 38 points in the loss. Uh, the Pistons have lost three in a row, James, and seven of their last nine. They're going to be at Charlotte. They're 7-20 for crying out loud. That'll be 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. And then we find out today, uh, Cade Cunningham, in his second year, high expectations. He is going to undergo surgery to repair a stress fracture in his left shin. Sources are confirming this today. Cunningham is expected to make a full recovery, but... The procedure will end his season after just 12 games. Boo. That is just a big bummer because it's only a second season. Excitement was so high last year for this kid. He'll be back. He'll be back. But it's already December, and now we're thinking, okay, well, loaded drafts coming up. Well, when you're a, here's the thing, though. When you're, when you're a Piston team trying to find yourself, and to be honest with you, I think it's taken a little longer than really anybody thought it might. And, yeah, they're young. And, you know, trying to find their way. Uh, but this is the last thing they needed. Need. Yeah. Right. So there's that. Anyway, all the best to Cade and uh, his recovery, which, again, very important to renote that uh, he is expected to make a full recovery. All right. Monday night football tonight in the desert. The Arizona Cardinals, four and eight, playing host to Bill Belichick and the six and six Patriots. Uh, to say the Cardinals are underachieving would probably be uh, the understatement of the year. 
they have lost four of their last five. Uh, and their fourth-year head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, may be feeling the heat a little. Yes, you would think, in his fourth year. In honesty, uh, they have had their share of injuries, uh, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. But as it turns out, going into this tilt uh, with the Patriots, probably about as healthy as they've been all season. You got Kyler Murray back, running back James Conner, and their top receivers, DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Brown, all available, by the way, for just the second time this season. So there's that. And you have that whole, like, teacher coaching against the student thing again with the Belichick tree. Yeah, and uh, Cliff Kingsbury uh, freely uh, refers to uh, Belichick as his mentor. Uh, And as it turns out, he was drafted by the Patriots in 2003, spent one season there as a backup quarterback, learning the inner workings uh, of the most successful franchise in recent NFL history. So got a little... uh, little history with the Pats and Belichick. Uh, but New England, they've lost two straight, and they're in last place in the ultra-competitive AFC East. Yes, but they're not that far out of it uh, when it comes to a playoff wild-card spot. One game behind the Jets. So, ready, Blake? I'm going to pick the Patriots. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what does that force you to do, Blake? Does that force you to go in the NBA? Because you had a one-week run. I had a one-week run, and I was right about Tom Brady in that game on Monday night. He did come back. I, I, all I know is with Arizona, it just depends on which Kyler Murray shows up. Right. So. Did he study the book or not? Well, he's been probably playing the new Call of Duty. Hmm. So, there's that. Is he a big gamer? Huge gamer. Yeah, he he streams on Twitch and all that stuff. There's money in that, isn't there? Yeah, there's also money in uh, being a good NFL quarterback. Probably more. <laughs> Point well taken. Uh, all right. So let me get this straight again. Yes. You are taking the Patriots and, and the laying points. two and a half to me. Yes. And the Cardinals. Yes. All right. What are you going to do? You just let me pick first all the time, and I still make the wrong choice. <laughs> it just uh, keeps adding up. Give me a slot machine, okay? Pretty, uh, that I can do. We can arrange that. Soaring yeah, Eagle. Let's go. Call me Soaring We'll be Eagle. there shortly. Uh, I just uh, am looking forward to when you uh, push a keg through that door right there. I know. <laughs> all right. Uh, Blake, thank you very much, as always. Nick Roddy, fine job producing, as always, my friend. James. Uh, you'll be uh, on the road next week. Yes, but I'll still be calling in, obviously, because I love Mondays. Looking forward to it here on WJR.